Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You have keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. It is not raining in Starkville. The sun is not out. It's rather gray and a little bit cool, but it is not raining. That is a new development for us here in God's country. Maybe it's not God's country. I don't know. It feels like that we have had an unbelievable amount of rain this year. It is wet. I'm beginning to worry that the ground is so super saturated that we're going to start seeing some of these trees uprooted. It is uh, ridiculous. And I know that is an old guy move to worry about such things. But I am worried about such things. A little tired of it. A lot of people around us in this state that are struggling. A lot of people around us are dealing with some very serious issues. I mean, all of us are tired of the rain, but there are some people who have lost home and, and health and everything else that goes along with that. And so if you're one of those people, our thoughts and prayers go out to you. I know Mike Leach is in Jackson today. 
uh, to offer some support to some of the our folks down there. Also, some information earlier today about uh, a possible shooting at Baptist Hospital. A lot going on in our capital city, in our state. Hope that uh, you are not having to deal with any of that type of unpleasantness as we uh, get through our Wednesday. It's a busy stretch from Mississippi State. We're going to have something to cheer for each of the next, oh, five, six days, I guess. We'll have men's basketball tonight. Humphrey Coliseum, 8 p.m., be there. Thursday night at Auburn, women's basketball. And then the current schedule is Mississippi State to play Oregon State at 1 o'clock on Friday afternoon. And then we're going to play Saturday. And then hopefully we'll play Sunday. I, I could see them making a change depending on the weather and maybe moving that Sunday game up. I want to get all three of these games in. This is not an Oregon State team of old. However, they're very young. They're very talented. They are going to figure it out. So it would be nice to be able to get two to three wins this weekend and then have them kind of move up the uh, the RPI, the net, whatever they want to call it these days. But uh, we would like the quality of that win to improve over the course of the season. So we need to get these games in. We'll meet with Coach Chris Lamonis tomorrow. I'm eager to talk to Chris. There's some rumors out there kind of floating around. Eager to talk to Chris to kind of get some clarity on some things, especially like with some of this pitching stuff that's going on, and I've mentioned, you know, the defining the roles of this bullpen, especially with us not having the benefit of the Tuesday game. The Tuesday game, of course, rained out. Everything's been rained out here for days. I hate to sound like a broken record, but uh, – we didn't get the benefit of the work for those guys on Tuesday. And at some point, we will make that game up. You know, we did that last year. If you remember, we ended up adding Louisiana Tech later in the year. We'll do something like that, too. We'll pick up a game. And we may pick up Sanford. Who knows? But don't know. It was canceled. It wasn't, quote, rescheduled. But we will likely need that game later on in the process. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, Long-time providers of great food here in Starkville, Mississippi, and now Tupelo. I told you guys there are some new items on the menu. I will be going to partake of those later this week. I'm looking forward to those uh, Bulldog Burger Company nachos. Ready to go in there and kind of sit down and see what that's all about. You know, a lot of people do nachos as an appetizer, but uh, Bulldog Burger Company doesn't put anything on the menu that's not high quality. So I'm eager to go try that. You guys that have tried it, maybe hit me up on social media and let me know what I'm looking for here. Let me know what I'm getting myself into when I get those Bulldog Burger Company nachos. I'm going to go in, going to try them and check them out. Not sure what the burger of choice is going to be, but I promise you it'll be great. You need to go by and find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company, now with two locations to serve you on University Drive here in Starkville and on Gloucester Street in Tupelo. Mississippi. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, so let's preview this Mississippi State ball game with South Carolina tonight. This, you know, every game's a must-win at this point. You always know, say, oh, it's a big game. Every game is big at this point. Arkansas currently, pardon me, South Carolina currently ranks ahead of Mississippi State in the SEC standings, but their net is not very good. So we're not going to get a big bump with that, but this is a South Carolina team that is capable of beating Mississippi State. You can say, well, you know, Steve, anybody on any given night. No, what I mean is this is a team that's going to come in here ready to go. They're not going to be intimidated. They're playing for their NCAA tournament lives as well. They're not going to come in here and just be, oh, well, well, you guys got something to play for, so excuse us. That's not going to be the case. This is going to be, I believe, a very physical a very defensive-minded basketball game. You know, it just just about every time we get together with South Carolina, it is a clash of epic proportions. I mean, it always seems there's uncalled fouls. always seems there's over the back. It always seems it's very physical underneath the rim. Staying out of foul trouble is going to be of paramount importance to Mississippi State. But this is going to be a war. It always is. It is always a war against South Carolina, no matter who wins, 
no matter who's got something to play for. It's just something about Frank's teams. They they bring that out in Mississippi State. Listen, Ben Howen kind of prides himself on putting a strong, defensive-minded, hard-nosed team on the floor. You know, we went up there last year and played them at their place, and they hit a big shot and forced overtime. They beat us 87-82 in overtime. Then they come back down here, and we beat them 76-61. They still had a lot to play for. But it was a very competitive game. You know, it's one of those things, I, it seems like they always seem to have these guards that always seem to get off against us. Uh, you know, two years ago, you know, we played those guys uh, at their place. We won 81-76, but again, a very physical game. And then they come here, and we beat them 72-68. So we've had some success against them. But they bring out the physicality in the game. That's just kind of who they are. That's their identity. And so there will be a lot of slapping. There will be a lot of things that maybe don't get called. But State's got to be able to uh, to protect Reggie Perry. I don't know if they have anybody quite as athletic as Reggie Perry down low that can really slow Mississippi State's interior game down. Now, they again, they always seem to have guards. They've got a very, very good one in A.J. Lawson. Don't know if you've seen him play. A.J. Lawson currently leads the Gamecock in, score, Gamecocks in scoring at 13.8 points per game. This is a guy who's putting up, you know, valuable minutes for him. You know, he's not getting in the 30s, but uh, consistently right around 28 minutes a game. He is a shoot-first guard among the team leaders in three-point shooting as well, 35.3%. Jair Bolden, their best three-point shooter at 40.2%. Also pretty good from the line. Both of those guys are. This is going to be a team that wants to get up down a little bit uh, Jermaine Cousinard, 25 minutes of action, 11.9 points per game. Handed out about three assists. Again, a decent three-point shooter. Malik Katsar, really their, their big man down there. And that's the thing that I look at. Different kind of game than Reggie Perry. More of a traditional post-up guy. But we'll, you know, we'll see that matchup. That'll be interesting. You know, he, he's another one of those guys, too, that uh, puts up pretty pretty good numbers for them, double digits and scoring 10.4 points a game, pulling down six and a half rebounds. Justin Manea, 7.8 points a game, 6.1 rebounds, and another one of those forwards that gets up and down and plays. And so going to be a little different, but this is one of those games, too, that you know, they're going to get out and defend. They're going to get out and defend. Rebounding is going to be a big issue, and it always is. You know, State, again, is one of those teams that um, it does a great job with offensive rebounding. We're going to have to do a really good job tonight, probably one of our better games of the year. Not just because of what's at stake, but because of the fact that you know, I think South Carolina is a team that they're, they're going to play good defense and have you score late or have you shoot late in the clock. And you start putting one and dones together, and the game is going to kind of get away from you. A.J. Lawson, 344 points on the season. Again, good numbers. Again, and that's the thing, too, about Frank. Frank's teams always, even, even when they lose, they never quit. These are teams that are hard-nosed teams. They're going to get after you on both ends of the floor. And it always seems, they always seem to have some guard that has like a career game. You know, it's one of those things, you know, it's, just, it's, it's, there's always somebody that seems to have a big game. But when you begin to kind of look at how this thing is shaping up, we've got six games left, three home games, three road games, and you look at this men's basketball standings. This, this is why the games like today mean so much. South Carolina currently eight and four in the SEC. We're seven and five. We're right there on the cusp of being able to play our win to that top four and make life a little easier on ourselves. The SEC standings currently, Kentucky 11-2, Auburn 9-3, and 
LSU 9-4, Florida 9-4, and, and then that's when we get into our little, the next grouping. And that's where we are, right at the top of that second tier. That's what makes this South Carolina game so important. We're jockeying with them for positioning for the SEC tournament. Both of us currently with a 16-9 and nine record. They're a game ahead of us in the standing, so we could pull even with them tonight and take a lead, you know, down the stretch. You know, we'd have a tiebreaker over them. Of course, we'll have to go up there and play. But every game takes on added importance this time of year. You know, it's the old cliche of, well, you know, it's the most important game because it's the next game. But not only is it it's the next game, it is against a team that is ahead of Mississippi State in the standings. The SEC is not expected to get more than four, possibly five teams into the NCAA tournament. We can't be middle of the pack. We've got to find a way to take a step forward, and that's what, that's what we've got to do tonight. That Tonight, a win against South Carolina is a step forward, and then you begin to look at what's beyond you. Then you get a, a trip to a, a very mediocre A&M team, then you get Alabama coming here. So when you begin to look at this week, Mississippi State has to have a 2-0 week. Yeah, it's just as simple as that. You have to have a 2-0 week. Running down the rest of the uh, the SEC standings, we mentioned South Carolina, Mississippi State, right there together. Tennessee at seven and six, Alabama six and six, A and M right there with them six and six. A resurgent Missouri team now five and eight and uh, thirteen and thirteen overall. Of course, we're going to see them. We're going to we're going to make a return trip up there, and we absolutely embarrassed them here earlier. And so they're going to be motivated to play. They are playing much better, much better in the uh, last couple of weeks, I touched on that a little bit on Monday. They, uh, they win, let's see here. They win last night at home against Ole Miss, 71-68. And I know many Mississippi State fans were ready to anoint that Ole Miss team as the uh, Loyola Marymount UNLB team of the 80s. But, hey, Missouri, again, playing well as of late. They, um, I guess, have won three or four. And uh, those three games all coming on their home floor. They take down Arkansas. They lose on the road to LSU, 82-78. Very competitive game. They take down Auburn by 12 and beat Ole Miss by three. And then they'll take a trip to Bud Walton Arena here in a couple of days. But that is a Missouri team that has played much, much better. Arkansas, 4-9. and nine. Ole Miss, 4-9. and nine. Rebels currently 13-13 and 13 overall. Georgia 2-10, and 10, Vanderbilt 1-12, and 12, and you begin to wonder, you know, Vanderbilt got Jerry Stackhouse in its year one, 9-17 overall. It's going to take some time. But you look at this Georgia situation, 12-13, and 2-10 and 10 in the league, and you begin to ask yourself, are they going to be making a coaching change this year? Good questions. A lot of people expected this year to be uh, you know, a resurgent year for them. It hasn't been. They have talent. They're young. There was discussions about them, uh, you know, putting this great recruiting class together and then uh, turning the program around. That hadn't happened. But it's very interesting. But that's the bottom half of the league, and fortunately Mississippi State is in the upper half with an opportunity to play our way into the top quarter of the league. I think at this point people say, well, you know, Steve, are we in the tournament? No, we're not in the tournament. Not yet. Got to continue to play well and avoid a bad loss. And that's the problem with the quality of competition remaining on the Mississippi State schedule. It's pretty much anybody on the schedule at this point is would not be a quality win, but would be a very detrimental loss. Alabama and Mississippi State right there together on that next line, that uh, last four out or next four out, I don't know, it changes day to day. But, but the bottom line is at this point, we're out. You win these next three, and then all of a sudden, life begins to change a little bit for you. Six very winnable games on the schedule with the first one coming tonight with South Carolina coming to town. We'll have full coverage of that over on jeanspage.com. Ava will have, uh, we'll have uh, Frank's postgame comments, Ben's postgame comments, players. We'll have that for you over on jeanspage.com. That'll all be free. You can go see for yourself and see what the coaches and players had to say in its entirety. Yes, you can watch the SEC Network, and they'll give you the highlights. We'll give you the full press conference, broken up in three different um, segments, head coach, home coach, visiting coach, players. 
that's what we will do for you. Happy to do it. So on the women's side of things, you know, not a lot has happened, obviously, because uh, you know the women's schedule a little bit different than the men. Mississippi State will take on Auburn. Auburn is one of those teams, too, that has done just enough to improve themselves to make you really, really nervous if you're Mississippi State. You know, Auburn has played much better down the stretch. And I think maybe, maybe, and when you've got a young team sometimes, they give a tendency to kind of overlook opponents. I thought, yeah, maybe, we, maybe they caught us by surprise a little bit. I don't suspect that'll be the case when we make the move down there this Thursday. But when you look at this Auburn team, you listen, you know, earlier in the year, they, they were not good. They were getting beat by double digits consistently. They even lost a game to Drake. They barely beat Dayton in overtime. They lose to Middle Tennessee 73-50. So they were really struggling early on. It's been a much different team here in the past few weeks. So since that Mississippi State game, and let's be honest, they played well enough to win that game. State just wouldn't wouldn't relent. So State wins that game 78-73. They go back around that Sunday, take down Vanderbilt. Then they lose at Alabama, their are tribal by four, 68-64. They go to South Carolina. They get beat pretty good there, 26 points. Then they go take down LSU 65 to 60. And so every game other than the game against the top ranked team in the country for the last couple of weeks has been very, very competitive. So this is a team obviously that is playing with a, a certain level of confidence. And I'm sure in the back of their minds, they're thinking, you know what? We let Mississippi State off the hook in Humphrey Coliseum. We can play with these girls. We can do it. We can beat them. And now we'll have them in our own arena. We got a chance to take them down. Again, I, I, I expect Mississippi State to be good to go. I don't think, especially after us losing that ball game to Kentucky, I, I believe that Vic Schaefer will have the Lady Bulldogs ready to roll. I think that you will see a different level of ferocity when it comes to the Mississippi State women on Thursday. Then we turn back right around, right around. We don't have a lot left. We don't have a lot of games left to play. We'll have, uh, we will make that trip to Auburn. We come home and host Alabama on Sunday. Then, we, then we'll host Arkansas on Senior Day. And then uh, we're on the road to Ole Miss. March 1st. That's it. That's, that's the end of the regular season. So with four games to play, State is currently all on in second place with a two-game lead over the field and then trailing South Carolina by two games. So we're going to need some pretty miraculous upsets for State to make a move. Just don't think it's going to happen. I think South Carolina's playing too well. I don't think the quality of the league this year kind of lends itself to multiple upsets down the stretch. I think South Carolina is feeling it after Mississippi State having won the regular season SEC title of each of the last two years. I think Don Staley and that group are ready to go. I think they are ready to kind of close this thing out. And let's just listen tip of the cap to them. They're earning it. But State's got to hold serve, get that number two seed, and then go take care of business and perhaps take down South Carolina in the SEC tournament. It would be nice to have an opportunity to play them again on a neutral floor, even though I know it's in Greenville, South Carolina, so it's not so neutral from a fan standpoint. But uh, we'll, we'll have more Bulldog fans there for, for certain. But that's kind of how it all shakes loose. And the SEC tournament gets underway March 4th. That'll be here before you know it. Looking forward to that. I enjoy the conference tournaments. I really do, in, in, in every sport. Probably love the baseball tournament the most, but I tell you, I enjoy watching everybody and there's just, yeah, there's just a different level of competition when those conference tournaments get here. There's a lot of teams still playing for an opportunity to get in somewhere. Very, very excited about the direction of uh, the women's program. And so I, I suspect that we're going to go out and play well. It's going to be a new season for us. I want to remind you guys, too, I'm, I've kind of made the jump, and I'm 
a, a Hawthorne guy now. And uh, to the point now, when I get into uh, get ready to go get in the truck with Paul Brown, my agent, Paul says before I go, hey, be, don't go so heavy on the Hawthorne. You know, <laughs> uh, I enjoy it. I like it. He's joking with me. My hope is is that his significant other will go to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co and order him some Hawthorne. You will not find better men's personal care products than you're going to find at Hawthorne.co. I absolutely love everything that I have used. Love the cologne. I've shared that with you guys more than once. I was a Jakar guy, a, you know, a polo guy. I've tried them all. Eternity. Had them all. Nothing better than the Hawthorne fragrances. The Hawthorne body wash is a winner. The Hawthorne shampoo and conditioner, an absolute winner. I am so incredibly impressed. As I've told you guys many times, I have turned down more advertisers than I have accepted for this show. That's one of the best things about being independent. Nobody can say, hey, Steve, listen, you got to do this. Need you to do this route. Need you to do that one. I talked with the folks at Hawthorne on the phone. I read their talking points. We had a conference call. They told me how it all worked. I was so incredibly impressed. You can go to their website. Again, it's hawthorne.co and take the quiz, and they will send you products tailor-made based on your own preferences. It's as simple as that. You go take the quiz. Ladies, sit down with your man, take it together. And then the next thing you know, you get that order, and, and they'll send you some great products. You will feel better about yourself. I'm telling you, it gives you a lot of confidence. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's Boneyard, B-O-N-E-Y-R-D. That'll get you 10% off that first purchase. Go do it. Go set it up today. You're going to be glad you did. Again, that's hotborn.co. So let's talk a little baseball here. we got a lot going on with baseball. We didn't get to play last night, but let me run down. Um, for the, I don't know that anybody played last night, to be fair with you. Uh, yeah, so there was, there, there was some baseball last night. Alabama and Troy was postponed. Arkansas State, uh, Ole Miss postponed. But uh, Kentucky takes down SEMO 9-4. Tennessee beats Charlotte 8-2. LSU takes down Southern 8-3. Vanderbilt 3-0 winners over South Alabama. Again, I know that pitching's ahead of hitting this time of year, but if you're Vanderbilt, you've got to be a little bit concerned. Yes, they're pitching at a high level. They're 2-2 two two on the season, but they're not scoring many runs. And you got to think, too, if you're the defending national champion and you go out there and you put up a three spot against South Alabama, maybe it's not saying it's time to panic by any stretch of imagination, but you got to think we've got to be swinging the ball, the bats a little bit better. Uh, Florida takes down Jacksonville 13-3, and then A&M takes down Stephen F. Austin 13-4. So there is expected to be some baseball tonight, too. We are not going to play baseball tonight, but uh, Alabama State will be at Alabama. Presbyterian will be at, at South Carolina. I'm eager to get up there and cover that South Carolina series. Alcorn State will be at Ole Miss. South Alabama right back there at Vanderbilt. Georgia's at Kennesaw State. I don't know if Kennesaw State has been a very difficult mid-major team over the years. Uh, Oakland is at Auburn. Jacksonville will be at Florida. LSU will be at Nichols. We've been there. Uh, Prairie View at Texas A&M. But uh, Mississippi State will be back in action on Friday. We'll meet with Chris Lamontis tomorrow, and then he'll kind of set the uh, the details for the weekend. Oregon State will be here. Not exactly sure scheduling if things will change further than they already have. But it's one of those things, when you look at this Oregon State team, and we're going to do a lot more of that on Friday, this is not the Oregon State team that, you know, that maybe even from a year ago, but certainly not the ones that we saw two years ago in Omaha. But this is a very talented team. I, I'm excited to have them here. I think this is what Mississippi State should do. A lot of people said, hey, listen, you know, Ole Miss went out and scheduled Louisville, and Louisville ended up being ranked number one. And, and you can, you know, challenge the merits of, of uh, early season polls. But the bottom line is everybody expects Louisville, a team that went to Omaha last year, to be in contention this year. And so, you know, tip of the cap for Ole Miss for, for scheduling a quality opponent early on. And then they go win the series. You know, so, you know, be that as it may, there are a lot of things about Ole Miss sports that I look at and I kind of laugh about. But, you know, I have respect for Ole Miss baseball. I think you have to. 
And uh, I think Mike Bianco's done a great job there. And listen, you could you know, question the merits of uh, the guys been there, what, 18 years, been to Omaha once. I know in my lifetime, they've only been one time. Uh, they went in June before I was born and then uh, went here a couple years ago. But um, I guess it's a few years ago now, isn't it? I guess, the, I guess the luster from that experience is probably beginning to fade, considering that we've been multiple times since then. But uh, my point being is that this Oregon State thing, you know, we, we schedule them knowing they are a perennial national power. And I think that Mississippi State needs to do that sort of thing, just like last year's schedule in East Carolina, you know, for a midweek game. Anytime that you can get people that you know are going to be you know, projected to be in Super Regionals, it beats up your competition. And I think that says a lot about Chris Lamonis, trying to get that strength of schedule where you want it to be. So that's what going out and getting a team like Oregon State does. Is It's not just a window dressing approach. You're going out and you're getting somebody that, that, that's capable of coming in here and, uh, and beating you. Oregon State ranked 25 in some polls. Looking at the weekend for the SEC, and again, we'll get deeper in this a little bit later. You know, I think State is probably the marquee matchup in the SEC West. The East is much different because, you know, Florida and Miami are going to go head-to-head. And uh, that's a 1-2 matchup in some polls. That's a huge, huge matchup. And then Texas Tech is at Tennessee. Uh, and the way that uh, they swing the bat at Texas Tech, I mean, they're never out of a ball game. But one of the things that I have learned is that, uh, you know, playing a ball game at Tennessee at night is much different than playing during the day. That air gets a little thicker. The ball simply doesn't carry, especially out to left. And there are a lot of balls you hit in BP when the sun is out that are jumping out of the yard. And then when the sun goes down and temperature drops and the wind dies down, it's like a fourth foot out there and left. And so, you know, you're going to have to really be swinging one to get one out of there in left field. Uh, learned that last year when State went up there and played in Knoxville. Still a great experience, even though we didn't sweep the series like we hoped we would. But uh, very, very excited about the weekend. Very excited to see all these games kind of unfold. Feel really good about where Mississippi State stands right now uh, as a team. And, again, always some concerns. You know, you've got to stay healthy. There's always some things you worry about. There's things that um, you have to be mindful of because it's a long year. Baseball is a long game. It's a long season, and a lot can happen. And I tell you, looking around the conference, it's, uh, you know, again, it's, we're just a few games into it, but it's interesting. When you run, look at the East, Florida, Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina, all undefeated. Missouri, two and one. And kids, don't forget this. Missouri is ineligible for the postseason. You remember their, their uh, Tudor Gate scandal was much more significant than the Mississippi State one. And, of course, they have had some more uh, recent run-ins with the Alphabet Police. And so, as a result ineligible. Vanderbilt, two and two. Two and two, went one and two on the weekend and then slipped by South Alabama last night. So I guess they could be three and two tonight if they score some runs. Kentucky, our good friend Nick Mangione, struggling up there, one and three. The SEC West, no surprise, very good. Auburn, Texas, A&M, Arkansas, Alabama, Mississippi State, all undefeated. LSU 3-1. They dropped a game over the weekend to Indiana. In Ole Miss, 2-1. Of course, they lose the opener and then win the last two against uh, Louisville. So, again, not much. You can, not many conclusions you can draw from this in the early going. But it's going to be a good year in the league. And we'll update, update this as we go. But I think what you're going to find is the SEC is going to be very good this year. And you can say, well, Steve, it's always very good. No, it's not. Some, some years it's pretty good. I think this year we've got multiple teams that can truly contend for a national championship. I'm a big fan of that Auburn team. If they can score a little bit, they're, they're going to be difficult to beat. Arkansas, of course, and, and I, don't, I don't think Arkansas is nearly as deep pitching-wise as they were a year ago, but they can swing it. LSU still LSU. I'm still sticking with my pick of Florida winning the East, though. The more that I watch Vanderbilt play, the better I feel about Florida winning that. 
But that's where we are. And uh, we've got a lot, obviously, of baseball in front of us. So, man, it's so great to have college baseball to talk about. So a quick look at the numbers for Mississippi State. Now, granted, it's three games. Okay, we're, we're not about to anoint anybody as an All-American. Okay, but let's just look at the numbers here, and we're going to do this throughout the year. Leading the team, batting average, ties a tie at the top. Rowdy Jordan, who had a big weekend. And then your freshman, Cameron James. Cameron James, younger brother of Keegan James, son of former Mississippi State kicker punter Greg James. Cam, 455. Both guys had five hits and 11 at-bats. Both guys had a, a double. Both guys drove into runs. Rowdy scored four. Cam James, I'm telling you, go ahead and buy stock now. Really like the kid. Jordan Westberg hitting 385, 13 at-bats, five hits, four runs scored. Josh Hatcher, 364 average. Landon Jordan down there hiding like a snake in the reeds in a nine hole, hitting 333 and was kind of the benefit. I really thought there was a couple times he was, it was ruled reach on an error. There were a couple times that uh, I would have given him a hit. I, you know, listen, I coach high school baseball, not that that counts for a whole lot, but uh, I've kept the book. I understand how to score the game. And to me, an error is a guy that makes the mistake on the routine play. When a guy is ranging deep into the hole in his left and can't make the play because it's a well-hit, well-placed ball, that's a hit. And there are other times if guys can't get to, get a glove on the ball, that's a hit. So I think Landon was kind of, you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to, to throw shade at the official score. I'm just telling you, Landon Jordan's numbers are probably better in reality than they are in the box score because he is putting the ball in play. He is making the defense make plays. And the bottom line is he's getting on base, and he's getting on base in the nine hole, which allows Rowdy Jordan to hit against a pitcher in a stretch, and everybody is a different pitcher in the stretch. I like Landon Jordan down there in the nine hole. Not a guy that's going to try to do too much. He's just going to get a base hit and try to get on base and turn the lineup over. you got to like a guy that embraces that. That's what team baseball is about. And I don't know where else you're going to hit him, but when, but to put a high batting average guy, a punching Judy guy there, and, uh, and listen, he, he can hit some home runs. But my point being is that, you know, his approach to hitting is really kind of conducive to offensive success because he's just down there to continue the inning. He's just there to get a hit. He's down there to just continue to get on play, get on base, and get Rowdy Jordan up. And uh, I, I like it. I, I think any time that a guy buys in early and kind of embraces his role and then you see him immediately produce, I think it bodes well for the future. So I like Landon Jordan down there in the nine hole. I'm sure he'd love to hit second or third, but I love him down there. There are a lot of people that don't take advantage of that. I think in that nine hole, I mean, I think he's going to get a lot better pitches to hit down there. I think people are going to take him for granted not fully appreciate the caliber of hitter that he is. Logan Tanner hitting 300, 10 at bats. You know that uh, he didn't start every game, but he played in every game. Justin Foscue, and this is a shocker, right? Justin Foscue, everybody's All-American, hitting 182. And I say that not to throw shade at Justin, but when you look at how well we played and that Foscue wasn't a big part of the offensive play, because you know what's going to happen. He's going to get going. Got a couple doubles to show for it. And despite the fact that uh, he's hitting a buck 82, leads a team with five RBIs. Hey, guys getting it done when there's ducks on the pond. Brandon Pimentel started in the left, made the move there with about two weeks left in spring practice. And it's really about getting him in. And I really thought he played pretty good defense for a guy that hadn't played a whole lot of the outfield. You got him out there and left. He's hitting a buck 67. But the thing that I look at with a guy like him is, you know, what what's he doing up up, up there putting the ball in play? What, what what's he doing? Is is he, are these productive outs? Well, he does lead the team with four Ks. 
but I never thought that he had any, a lot of bad at bats. If you know what I'm saying, it's like he's one of those guys too that um, this is a new level of baseball for him. He is going to adjust. This is a guy too that's kind of earned it. And this, he was in the mix for your starting first baseman job, and then you know Lamona said, you know what, one of those guys is going to DH, one of those guys is going to uh, play first, and then you find a way to get him in the left, and you move some people around. Uh, you know, we had three different starting right fielders over the weekend. That's kind of lost in all this. You know, Tanner Allen, of course, and uh, Drew McGowan started. Brad Compass and Bryce Brock both played. You know, so you've you, you got some options out there. And, uh, you know, Compass, you know, put the ball in play, had a hit. Tanner Allen, that's another thing, too. You begin to look at all this. Tanner Allen doesn't have a single hit. He only played one game. He'll be good to go this weekend, but he you know, fouled that ball off his knee and was uh, unavailable. And listen, it's one thing to play first. It's another thing to have to get out there running around in the outfield and kind of aggravate that and be a bit of a liability defensively. And then Luke Hancock, who I think is uh, one of state's better hitters, you know, he's not quite 100% either. And so once we get these guys healthy, once we get everybody healthy, we're going to really be difficult to, to defend. We're going to be able to put the ball in play. We're not going to be a team that I, I, I think will strike out very often. And to kind of look at the numbers for last week, and yes, Christian McLeod kind of skews the numbers a little bit. Ride State hitters struck out 40 times. Mississippi State hitters struck out just 17. Just 17 times. Now, granted, and you would expect that from an SEC team, but my point being is that usually hitting is behind pitching this time of year. And you look at some of these younger guys that are out there swinging that are not striking out much. You know, Cameron James, a true freshman, strikes out one time. One time in 11 in bats. Logan Tanner strikes out twice, and one of those was kind of a BS check swing that Chris Lamontis got an official warning for. And so when you see those young guys up there having productive at-bats, putting the ball in play, it fires you up. And then when you begin to think about the fact that when you've got proven performers like Justin Foscu and Tanner Allen that haven't been major factors, and yes, Justin Foscu had a couple of big hits. I'm not trying to diminish his contribution. But we all know he's not going to hit a buck 82. He's going to be a double-digit home run guy. He'll probably lead the team in RBIs again. And so I think there's a lot of room for optimism here. You know, the look at the pitching side of things, JT Gens, your Friday night guy. JT, again, you know, JT had some issues last year. And, he, and listen, he's not 100% now. I'm, I'm eager to see what, what happens with him this weekend. As some people are saying, let's move McLeod, you know, to Friday. I, you know, I don't, you know, it's early in the year. I don't like the, the revolving door early on. But whatever Fox on them decide is fine with me, it's not like they need my approval anyway. But you know what you're going to get with JT again. Unbelievably competitive kid. kid going to go out there and give you everything he's got every time out. Unfortunately, last year he had some issues that kind of slowed him down some. Christian McLeod goes in there, does a great job. Looked like a million dollars. Again, just allows the one hit. 11 Ks, ridiculous number of punch outs and 16 at bats. Eric Sarantola, too. This is another thing, too. Yes, he was a bit up and down, but he had 8 Ks and 14 official at bats. The main thing with him is control. Got to cut down on the walks, and a lot of that's mental with him. And he'll get there. It's not a matter of physical skill. It's not a matter of, uh, you know, of his stuff. You know, he's just a guy that needs to kind of bear down and be competitive and understand sometimes it's okay to get hit. You'd rather go ahead and make the pitch there and force them to hit their way on rather than give them the base on balls. Will Bednar is a guy, too, that uh, we're trying to elongate, make him a long reliever, you know, four Ks for him in 12 at-bats. And, again, for two innings, he was dominant. That third inning, when he began to kind of, Slow down a little bit. They, they hit him a little bit. Jared Schemper comes in, gives you two innings. Gets a save, doesn't allow a hit. Walks one guy, strikes one guy out. Five fishwood bats. But one of those things, too, is this is a guy pitching, letting the defense make plays. Chase Patrick was good. Jackson Forrester was good. Spencer Price was good. Raleigh Self was good. Landon Sims has, uh, you know, the one forgetful or for, forgettable outing on Friday, and it looks like, you know, Roger Clemens on Sunday. 
And that's really more in, in tune with who he really is. That's what we saw more in the fall. He's a guy that doesn't walk hitters. He's, he's a guy that makes you hit your way on. And so there's nobody at this point that we've seen that I look at and say, well, okay, this guy's over his head. I, I don't feel that way at all. I feel really good about this team, and I think we're going to get a good idea of what we – what we really are this weekend. Again, it's not the same Oregon State team that we've seen recently, but this is a team filled with highly recruited players that are going to be well coached. We know that coming in. This will be a nice step up in competition for us, and uh, it's certainly time for that, for sure. I mean, it's right out of the gate. You say, well, Steve, you know, we just played Wright State. Listen, we're chasing championships here. We're not going to go ahead and stack the deck and, and get up this false confidence and, you know, play the Louisiana School of Math and Science. And, uh, and then go out there and beat our chest about how good we are. We, you know, if, if we're going to be if we're going to be the big fish in the big pond, we got to go eat some of these other folks along the way. I remind you too, Campus Bookmark, longtime sponsors of the show. They got some great Mississippi State baseball merchandise for you, and many of you have asked about those hoodies that the team wears with the M over S on the state of Mississippi, like where M, M over S is positioned in Starkville. They've got the black and white hoodies now at Campus Bookmart, and the maroon and white hoodies are on the way. And many people have asked about that. Miss Kathy Brown went and made it happen for you. You can go order that today and use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. So go to campusbookmart.net, order your hoodie, and use promo code BSR, and we'll save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. Go by and see Stan and Man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely talented Susie, and tell them that I sent you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. So, and, and some of you guys are aware of this, but uh, I'm actually already working on Stark Villains too. It is a very long process writing a book. I know every writer that at some point that I've spoken to, they'll think, you know, someday I'm going to write a book too. And, and I, there's a couple things that I'll say about that. It's not the writing the book that is the challenge. Writing the book is the joy. Finishing the book is a challenge. Going through the editorial process and all that kind of stuff, there's a lot to it. And it's very stressful. It's very frustrating. It makes you want to fight people. It does. And then you also have to have a story to tell. You have to have something that you're educating people about or you're informing people about or you're entertaining them with. It's not as simple as, well, hey, I'm going to go show you guys how good I can write. I'm going to go exercise uh, and show you that, you know, I, I know all about the past participle and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's not an exercise in futility uh, that becomes a vanity project. It's just, it just doesn't work that way. And so I have been so blessed and so fortunate with Stark Villains to be able to tell much of the Mississippi State story. And so Stark Villains 2, and I don't know if we're going to continue to call it that or not, but the sequel to Stark Villains, I'm calling it Stark Villains 2 because it's just easier right now. I kind of like the branding anyway. I've already begun to do interviews for that. My hope is to have all of those interviews knocked out uh, first part of March. You know, we'll try to get all that stuff done. And then we'll take the next four months and uh, write the book. And then we'll have some summer months to kind of finish the book and get it printed and hopefully have it on the shelves for you guys. My goal is to have it out in time for the beginning of football season. I'd like to have it out early part of September. That's the goal. Don't know if it works out that way, because if we end up going to Omaha, I'll probably have to commit some more resources to that. But I've had a chance to speak to um, some Bulldog greats. Interview Jake Mangum already. Jake will be in the new book. I mean, if you're going to write a book about Mississippi State's dominance of Ole Miss, you got to put Jake Mangum right, 14-2 and two in four years. Uh, that's a, a number that we're all very proud of, but especially him. Spoke with Ted Milton today former Mississippi State outfielder. He was on that 1971 team that went to Omaha, the first Omaha team in Mississippi State history. The first one. That's a big deal. Those guys are going to be back on campus for Super Bulldog weekend. And we talked at length about some of his teammates. And one of some of the things that he said, that, that as I'm hearing these things, when I have these interviews, I can't wait to get them done so you all, can have that same feeling. As I'm sitting here listening to Ted talk about, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, what is what does Mississippi State baseball mean to you? And you played on some SEC championship teams. You played on the first team that went to Omaha. You know, what's, what's that like? You know, what's it mean to you, especially at this point in your life? You know, they're going to celebrate the 50-year anniversary of the 1970 SEC championship team this year. 
What's that mean to you? He goes, you know, Steve, he said, I had a chance to play ball with the greatest guys in the world. And I began to think about that. And, and I'm confident that just about every Mississippi State baseball team probably feels that way, especially as you begin to age and then, you know, your, your petty disagreements and things like that, the things that don't matter. As those things kind of fade from your memory, you remember the good stuff. And as people begin to pass away, and as sadly many of the members of those teams have done, you, uh, you look at that and you begin to think, okay, you know, look at your own life and think, you know what, I need to probably focus more on the positives and the great things that we've done together than I have over the negative ones. I interviewed Sleepy Robinson last night, loved Sleepy. I've been so blessed to be able to have a relationship with Sleepy over the years. Great man, great coach, great Bulldog. And I did not know a lot of his story. I did not know a lot of the things that went into his upbringing. I don't know if you guys know this, but Sleepy Robinson was the youngest of 11 children in his family. Went to Wingfield High School. Former Mississippi State quarterback Albert Williams it was his hero. Went to the same high school. As a matter of fact, Albert Williams used to pick him up. When Albert was a senior at Wingfield, he would pick up Sleepy and bring him to practice when Sleepy was a sophomore. And then when Williams came on to Mississippi State, Sleepy's like, I want, I, how do I do that? How do I become a college football prospect? And so he talked about that. But more importantly, he talked about, I always ask him, what does Mississippi State mean to you? What is your experience at Mississippi State? What is your inclusion in this wonderful Maroon and White extended family? What does that mean to you? And Sleepy said, man, Mississippi State saved my life. All around him in Jackson at the time. That's all he knew. He was a kid from the ghettos of Jackson, Mississippi. And everywhere around him was gang violence and drugs and, and you know, riotous living. And he didn't have a lot of people around to kind of lead him in the right way. But his football coaches, you know, they became the most dominant role models in his life. His football coaches and Albert Williams. And Sleepy Robinson will tell you that he is alive today because of the fact that his high school coaches and those around him that saw some of his talent and saw some of his promise invested some of their own knowledge into him that enabled him to become a college football prospect and come on to Mississippi State. He had offers from just about everybody in the Southeast and some of the places outside of the region. And he said, man, growing up in Jackson, because I moved to Starkville and I thought, man, I'll never be back here. And he said, you know what? Now that I've been lived here, I've had to spend so much time here. He said, I'll, I'll always have a home in Starkville. And I think we all feel that way. But it's one of those things, too, where I think sometimes we undervalue or maybe we underappreciate the opportunities that are afforded to young men in Mississippi when they get a chance to go play college athletics, men and women, at one of our institutions of higher learning here in the state of Mississippi. I think sometimes we forget the fact that, you know, we're 50th in a lot of things. And we have a lot of young people in this state that struggle. And they earn an education through athletics. And it's not as simple, you know, all of us think, okay, I'll grow up and I'll go to college and I'll get a degree and I'll get married and then life will be great. Well, for many of these people, they are the first to graduate college and their families. And for a guy like Sleepy, they have changed their family tree forever. And so I can't wait for you guys to learn more about Ted Milton and that 1971 Paul Gregory team and learn more about Sleepy Robinson. And I've got some other great stories that we're kind of working on right now. We'll get those out to you. But uh, it is very exciting to be able to bring this to you and to the Mississippi State family. Those are the things that I think about because you all are who are important to me. You know, people say, well, you know, Steve, you know, maybe if you wrote about this. Maybe you would get more of a national appeal and, and all that sort of stuff. But you know, I, I'm content to write our story. You know, I could go pitch books and talk to this publishing house. And I, after I wrote Flim Flam, I had a lot of people reach out to me that wanted me to be a part of their organization. A lot of people that were interested in being my literary agent. But I'm happy working with the people that I'm working with because I get some autonomy too. But I want to write more of the Mississippi State story. 
because we have been unfairly misrepresented in Mississippi's literary history. And so I am happy to document these stories and happy to document these great maroon memories for everybody. I've shared this with you guys before, but when Stan Black passed away, it kind of changed something in me. I realized we I had a job to do. It wasn't enough just to go cover the ball games. It wasn't enough just to go cover, you know, do the post-game press conferences and, you know, talk about the games. There are people that play these games. There are people that coach these games. People's lives are impacted by these games and by their experiences here at Mississippi State. And when Stan Black passed away, I began to think, you know what, we, we've got an obligation to future generations to document these great Mississippi State stories before they're gone forever. And sometimes those things make me sad when I think about all the great stories that are dead and gone that we never got to tell. Can't fix that, but I can fix what we have now. So we're going to continue to document that. Very, very excited to be a part of that. As I walked up to Dean Noble Field on Friday, very, very excited. Walk up there and I had a couple of young men, probably around 20, looked at him and said, Hey, Steve, I, one of them had finished Stark Villains and the other one was reading Stark Villains and said, Hey, you know, really enjoyed the book. I said, Well, thank you. I said, I kind of wrote that with you guys in mind just because of the fact that uh, there are a lot of stories in there I don't think you would have ever learned otherwise. And so I asked them both, I said, What are your favorite chapters? Both of them said chapter two in Stark Villains. That's a story of Frank Carolla and Skeeter Edwards in 1946, two 19-year-old college students similar in age to the two guys I'm talking to. He goes, man, that was my favorite story in flying over the Ole Miss football stadium poured maroon paint. You know, the, the, the naivety of youth, you know. But I knew then, and I've said this many times, is that uh, had I written this book in decades, if I'd said, hey, here's Mississippi State in the 40s or 50s, those 19-year-old kids aren't going to read those stories. But you know what? You package them together, and you put them in there with a uh, Nick Fitzgerald or a uh, Anthony Dixon or Derek Pegues type story, and all of a sudden it all kind of runs together in many respects because of the fact now those kids are reading stories they never thought they'd be interested in. And so Frank Carolla recently turned 94, and my hope is that we'll get Frank, we'll turn Frank into a rock star here in the Mississippi State family before it's all said and done, did his contributions to Mississippi State. But it does something to me to know that Frank's and Skeeter's story from 1946 is being enjoyed by the college students of today. It's incredible to think about. 74 years, nearly 75 years after that happened. There are college students reading that story for the first time saying, you know what, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And uh, those things are important to me. Those are the things you can't put a price tag on. So if you haven't ordered Stark Villains, let me encourage you, you can go do that at StarkVillainsTheBook.com. You can get Flim Flam there, and we'll have Stark Villains 2 there when it's in publication. Go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com. Order yours today. I know many of you uh, didn't get a Valentine's Day gift. Treat yourself. Love yourself. Self-care is very important. So uh, give yourself the gift of literature. And while you're at it, go to StarkVillains.com. Order yourself a Stark Villains hoodie. T-shirts. Anything you want right there. But uh, I am very, very honored and privileged to be able to help tell the Mississippi State story. And that's when people say, hey, listen, I heard so-and-so wants to write a book and they want to do this. And people say, well, how do you feel about that? Well, I think great. I think the more Mississippi State books we have out there, the better it's going to be. I think we've been, again, underrepresented in Mississippi's literary history. And so I think it's important that we get our side of the story out there. And so I look forward uh, to doing all that. And we've got some big dates coming up. I'll be in uh, Destin, Florida, March 3rd, and uh, finalizing things in Huntsville. I think that I think that's going to be March 26th. I think that's right. And I'll be back in Baton Rouge. Uh, the weekend of the LSU Baseball Series, and uh, I think we're going to do a book signing that Saturday down there. So be on the road a lot. I know we're, we're talking about some folks in Atlanta. There, there's a lot of things coming together. But this Thursday, before we're together again, Thursday I will be at the Unwind event in downtown Starkville at Book Martin Cafe. I'll be there from 4.30 to 9.30. So it'll be a long time, but I'm going to get on out there and uh, – and we'll sign books and pour wine and, and uh, have a good time together. I will abstain from the wine drinking, but be very big part of the uh, book selling and signing. So come on out, say hello, 
be happy to see all you guys. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.